Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Dave Hooker Show. A presentation of Off the Hook Sports. Objective insight, expertise, top guests. Available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the Off the Hook Sports app. Download now for free. Also available on offthehooksports.com. I compute and obey. Now to Dave Hooker. Ready. Breaking news, as in case you missed it, uh, we broke down recruiting as Tennessee picks up pretty significant prospect with a fantastic backstory this morning. Also on the program a little bit later, what tier of a quarterback is Joe Milton? And Tennessee ranks pretty high in post-spring rankings per one national report. And I'm going to weigh in slightly off topic on the John Morant thing because uh, this thing's gotten a a little crazy. And the reason I think it's relevant to what we do is you're going to have young men that have more money in their pockets than ever before. And buying a gun is a status symbol for a younger generation. But also, are we being a little bit unfair in how uh, we are uh, looking at John Rand? Again, it's not going to be a Grizzlies talk per se, but it is going to be a talk about where we are in, in our society. So I'm going to go slightly off, uh, off topic, off schedule a little bit later in the program. But first, my man, Caleb Calhoun, it is his birthday. So how many happy birthday wishes can we get? For Caleb Calhoun, who gets a big today's t- oh, he didn't get a today's tough question. <laughs> he gets a Hank Kingsley. Hey now, happy birthday, my man! Why, well, thank you, Dave. Look at you. I mean, uh, I look are you, heavenly, don't I? You do look heavenly. Uh, you look like Patrick Swayze from Ghost, but that's fine. Um, the um, the so guys, all uh, of you in advance. I'm getting. I'm, I'm. I got a new studio work in the works for next Monday. Not there yet. So just enjoy my godlike status for now. Yes, angelic. It's it's a process. It makes me look incredibly tan being next to you right now. 
So for those that are, yeah, for, yeah. So for those that are are, uh, are just listening and not um, and not watching, you need to check out YouTube. Please subscribe. As a matter of fact, Jacob Warren will be the first to tell you that I need this. What's up, everybody? This is Jacob Warren asking you to like, subscribe, and share. Dave needs this. All right, so here we go. Uh, Emmanuel Okoye, out of London, England. It signs with the Vols. So this is not just a commitment. I may have misspoken earlier, but this is a guy who's going to be on Tennessee's campus in 2023. He wants to be uh, a part of summer workout. So he theoretically could get there in the next, could get to Knoxville in the next couple of days. But uh, you, you would think that the second session of summer school would be a real possibility. And um, if not, he'll be with, with Tennessee in the fall. Now, this is a guy who has a 45-and-a-half-inch vertical. This is a guy who is a project guy, okay? So he's not going to show up on campus and have 10 sacks this year, Caleb, but uh, this is a guy who Southern California wanted really bad, and a lot of people were after him. And I think it's uh, pretty exciting for Tennessee to be able to pull a guy like this. The upside is tremendous. Um in the old days, Caleb, I might argue that you take up a scholarship in hopes of an impact player, but nowadays it's a business. And at some point, if a Koye can't play, they're just going to say you're better off elsewhere. So there's really no risk involved here with a guy that has tremendous upside. What did you think of the get by the balls? Yeah, I thought it was a great pickup for Tennessee. I even break from you a little bit in terms of whether or not he makes an impact this year. If he doesn't, it's because of how loaded they are at edge rusher. But let's not forget, if you look at Okoye and you look at his highlights, the very what you very clearly get is he's raw, but he's got incredible instincts and he's very athletic. Here's the thing about edge rusher. Not a lot of learning at that position. Not a lot of roles you have to play. On top of that, in Tennessee's system, edge rushers don't have to develop too much. They can be pretty raw. Remember, Byron Young was extremely raw when he got signed two years ago, and he immediately broke out and was an impact player. I think Rodney Garner and Mike Eckler have a pretty solid system, whether or not you think we would play outside linebacker or defensive end. And what could happen is, I mean, again, athleticism and potential outweighs being seasoned at the position when it comes to edge rusher. It's almost like running back. You can plug a guy in in Tennessee's system and just have them ready to go. Agreed. Even if he never, ever is an impact player, he's already had an impact. It is one of the top stories, and it's it's a slow time as far as uh, sports news, but it's, it's one of the top stories on ESPN right now. Chris Lowe just wrote about it, and because you have a better story, um, because he's from Nigeria, uh, he was part of the NFL Academy program in England, so he's going to play college football at Tennessee. Six foot five, 230 pounds, USC and Texas Tech were the other schools. He also had offers from other Power Five schools, including uh, Georgia, so the plan is to enroll this summer, and as far as uh, an impact and what he can have, I've seen firsthand a guy come in, Constantine Ritzman, came in from Germany and was a fish out of water in the beginning. And not to say that'll be a Koye, but Ritzman turned into a captain for the Vols. So the transition can be made. And uh, again, a Koye's upside, no offense to Constantine Ritzman, 
but I think he was a very solid player. Okoye's upside is more significant. 45 and a half inch uh, vertical is what we've been told. I would like to see that in person, but that is through the NFL Academy. Uh, 11 foot, three inch broad jump, both of which would be NFL combine records for defensive ends and a 72 inch wingspan. So it's almost as if uh, Caleb, who looks uh, very angelic on this day, it's almost as if Okoye was created in heaven to be a, a defensive end edge rusher in football. So pretty significant. Absolutely. A fun fact about Constantine Ritzman, he scored 10 points in the 2001 season in three different ways. He recovered a fumble for a touchdown against Kentucky. He got a safety against Syracuse. And, and this is the funniest one. He was in on an extra point against Memphis that was blocked. And then the holder, I think was the, at the time, I forget his name, improvised and picked up the block extra point and threw it into the end zone to Constantine Ritzman for a two point conversion. So I covered those games and I don't remember that. That's Caleb Calhoun, ladies and gentlemen. That's it's a, <laughs> that's one of the wildest plays. Imagine a blocked extra point turning into a two point conversion. Like that is a wild play. And, but yeah, no, that, that did happen with Constantine Ritzman, but yeah, I think this guy, okay. has much greater upside Right now, Tyler Barron and Roman Harrison seem like the, they're the season vets. But with Okoye in, Dave, I mean, next year, James Pierce, Joshua Josephs, Emmanuel Okoye. I mean, we're talking, we, you've already talked about Joshua Josephs. Do you think if you just like, you, you, you and Fred White both say, if you just like protect put a bubble suit around him and you say he's going to be just a superstar the minute you unleash him, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, no doubt. Um, so imagine him on one side and then Okoye with this raw potential on the other. Yeah, that's pretty good. I mean, he grew up playing soccer, so you'd think he'd have great feet. Uh, he was a basketball guy. This is according to Chris Lowe. And then he was discovered last year by, if you remember, O.C. Umanura, the defensive end for the uh, New York Giants with that great front they had. And it's part of the Uprise program. Uh, that scouts out these guys. So here's a guy that probably was not a great fit in football. But, uh, I'm sorry, basketball, because he's six foot five, and there are a lot of six foot five dudes. He's probably too big to play soccer. This is his. This is his chance, and he, to to make a living playing sports, and he should grab a hold of it and uh, take advantage because there are not a lot of dudes walking around with that type of athletic ability. Yeah, I agree. I agree. That's 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 the big thing is there, he's got just rare athleticism and the fact that he played basketball. We've seen this defensive end is a position where or edge rush is a position where typically your skills in basketball translate because a lot of edge rushers are playing in the post in basketball. And a lot of it's about their big focus is rebounding and leverage. That's you know this from covering Tennessee basketball in 2001. Julius Peppers was a master at leverage and Tennessee had no idea how to deal with him when he came into the game. And yeah. so it's like how playing center field translates to playing safety really well. 
There you go. I like that. Uh, good stuff. All right. So hit the like and subscribe button. If you're on YouTube, have your notifications on a couple things on the message board is whitewashed Caleb because he's having a lighting issue, which is worth the visit to YouTube. If you're on one of our audio platforms, the new Swayze from Ghost, the Omen, he's getting some of that, but it's his birthday, guys. So wish Caleb happy birthday because he certainly keeps me straight and no question about it uh so happy birthday and i'm just giving you a hard time caleb you know that i think you look very angelic happy birthday are you um do you share your your birthday your age or are you uh, of the uh, female persuasion that does not like to share that like my wife no i share it yeah i'm 35 years old I don't 35 care. years old he's so young by the way somebody mentioned that constantine ritzman was the germinator and he absolutely hated that nickname. I remember asking him about that. And I said, uh, what do you think about your new nickname, the Germinator? And he goes, I don't really like that, but that's fine. Whatever. <laughs> what was his response? I just would have loved for him to have played for Derek Dooley and just gotten the D-Day analogy of the Germans during World War II. Nice. All right. So here we go. A lot to get to on the program. Uh, and let's start with uh, current balls that are out there. And um, I'll tell you what, I um, saw this on in the rundown for the show. We went over in our uh, production meeting uh, at uh, 4 a.m. as we do each and every day. The Vols number four in the post-spring uh, SEC power rankings. So what do you think of number four? I think that's pretty complimentary considering anybody's going to be number two from the get. Now, this is by on three, but anybody's going to be number two in the SEC to Georgia. So what did you think of number four in the post-spring power ratings? I think this is disrespectful. Oh, here we go. See, Dave, typically, Dave and I are both very, very objective, but I feel like I feel like so far I've seen like the less – the even the harder one on Tennessee. But I think in this sentence, I'm going to be sound like more the Tennessee cheerleader than Dave. They should be ahead of Alabama. I, that doesn't mean they're going to be better than Alabama in the fall. But these are power rankings, meaning where you are at this moment. Where is Alabama at the end of spring? Desperate for a quarterback. Desperate for someone who can hit the ground if they're trying to spike the ball. Okay? And Tennessee, whatever else you think, is not desperate for a quarterback. They have a starter. And if the starter doesn't work out, they got a backup that everybody has a pretty good bit of faith in. Alabama went in, desperately added Tyler Buckner from the transfer portal. I'm sorry. I know Dave and I disagree. That's probably why he's fine with Alabama ahead of Tennessee. You don't think it was as desperate of a move. But I'm pretty sure it was because they don't have a quarterback on the roster and they needed one. And because of that move, post-spring, Tennessee should be ahead of Alabama. I get LSU, Jaden Daniels is back, very high on. I get Georgia. Georgia's Georgia at this point. It's a factory for NFL talent, beyond even what Alabama was doing at Nick Saban's height. But outside of those two, Tennessee should be a clear-cut number three post-spring. Yeah, clear-cut number three. So that is, what the H? What the? What was he thinking? Release the hounds. The Dave Hooker Show. Keep cool. A presentation of offthehooksports.com. So Tennessee, number four in the power rankings, post-spring power rankings by on three, as Caleb just mentioned, behind uh, Georgia, LSU, and Alabama. 
What the H brought to you by Craft Treats. Use the promo code off the hook, promo code off the hook. Get 20% off at crafttreats.com. They have the chill pills, which will chill your pet out when it comes to anxiety or digestive issues or arthritis with the CBD derivative in there. Uh, the chill pills are fantastic. Go to crafttreats.com, use the promo code off the hook, and you get 20% off your pet. I absolutely love it. Crafttreats.com. So are we a little bit too bully? Because I got this from uh, someone who listens to the show daily. Are we a little too bully on LSU this year? I think both you and I think that LSU and Brian Kelly is going to be tough to handle in the next three, four, five years. But are we a little bit too bully this year? Or do I have an antiquated notion of what it takes to rebuild a program? Because nowadays you can do it a couple years as opposed to three or four years but i did get the feedback from somebody that we're a little too bully a little too high on lsu why are we not high on lsu i i think the only way you could be not high on lsu is if you looked at that sec championship game and saw okay they're not on the they weren't on the level of georgia what you miss is they got to the sec championship game beat alabama in Brian Kelly's first year, I said from the start, if Tennessee made the smart move in 2008 and hired Brian Kelly, they'd have a couple of national championships already. And they should have hired Brian Kelly over Lane Kiffin. He was the best option. People are going to sit there and point out Brian Kelly never won a national title at Notre Dame. You know what? He got Notre Dame to the title game. And anybody that knows the state of Notre Dame football knows that that's a monumental task because that's not There are 39 other jobs where it's easier to win at than Notre Dame right now. I don't care about program prestige. So that was a huge deal on its own. And he did it a few times. He got into the college football playoff. So I think this year, let's talk about they bring their quarterback back. There's an argument. I would argue Tennessee. But if you don't say Tennessee, you would have to say LSU's got the best set of whiteouts in the SEC, as on three noted. And their biggest issue last year was their secondary, which is when they gave up a lot of points. They completely revamped it in the transfer portal. So... Combine revamping your secondary, you're loaded at skill positions, a second year coaching, a second year of experience in Brian Kelly's system. And then Brian Kelly just being an all out really, 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 really good football coach when he's not dancing and doing hip hop dances with recruits or putting on a fake Southern accent. And <laughs> it's right. that, that, you know, it's weird. That was so goofy in when it happened, but it's almost become likable now and made him, he's kind of a stiff guy, made him almost. I don't know if likable is the right word or approachable. Um, but, you know, he, he kind of poked fun at himself a little bit. So the at the time, it seemed stupid, the fake Southern accent and the hip hop thing. But now it kind of seems like he's less of a stiff, to be real honest with you. Um, as far as the East and West, now there's not going to be really an, an East and a West, I don't think, for much longer. But just out of the teams that we're looking at now, if there were an East and West two years from now, which would be the best top to bottom? Um, Because in the East right now, you've got Georgia, you've got a surging Tennessee program. You might have a surging – set. well, you do have a surging South Carolina program. You've got Florida that's kind of floundering. Um, You know, Missouri, Vanderbilt, Kentucky, they kind of are what they are. Uh, I got a lot of respect for Kentucky, but it is what it is. But then I look at the West teams 
with LSU, uh, Alabama, Nick Saban might have another three or four years in him. I like the Auburn hire with Hugh Freeze a lot. In fact, um, Lane Kiffin is going to be what he is, and that's a guy that's going to flirt with nine wins pretty much every year at Ole Miss. Got questions about Mississippi State because of um, the 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 late Mike Leach and rest in peace. Um, yeah, I, I if I had to predict those group of teams that would would be better, I, I think the the West grouping is going to be significantly better in, in the coming years, despite the fact that Georgia is the elite program in the SEC right now. What, what do you think? I think the West has been better. The East is basically what the it's. It's, it's it's almost what the West was in the nineties at this point. And I, I've been very look, I look, is the SEC the toughest conference? Yes. But SEC East fans need to shut up about this whole we play in the SEC and we're so much tougher than the Big Ten. The SEC East, the Big Ten East is tougher than the SEC East by leaps and bounds. If if a Big Ten East team plays a tougher schedule than an SEC East team every time over, okay? It's not a it's not even a debate. I'm sorry, every Tennessee does not play as hard of a schedule as Michigan, Ohio State, or Penn State this year. They don't. Neither does Georgia. And, no, I agree with that. Yeah. And so what holds the Big Ten back is the Big Ten West, which is, of all these four divisions, the worst division of all. The Big Ten West should barely be power five. But right now, unless something changes, SEC East fans have no right to have pride about playing in the SEC because you're playing as easy of a schedule as any team in the Big Ten at this point, as any team in the Big 12, and as any team in the Pac-12, quite honestly. You're playing a really weak schedule, and you, unless you're Tennessee where you have to get Georgia and Alabama, which is the unfair draw, you kind of need to shut up because the East is really, really bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's uh, that's fair. Um, it, it's almost like if you could put the uh, Big Ten East and the SEC West together, you would have a super a conference, conference right there. Like college football ever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and then if you could drag – Georgia and Tennessee um, over there, you would have an electric, exciting conference with an elite, elite program. Um, yeah, but uh, the, the Big Ten West is just horrible. Um, the Big Ten West is what keeps the Big Ten second tier to the SEC. Now, let me argue this. South Carolina has has it going in the right direction based off what how they ended the season last year, and the recruiting is going really well. Florida eventually, if Billy Napier is not the guy, has to get it right because of the in-state talent. Georgia's Georgia. Tennessee's trending the right way. Kentucky's tough. Vanderbilt's going to be slightly above average. Um, I don't think much of Missouri. I I would argue that we could be having a very different conversation in two years, that the SEC East is is solid. But I think that would would take – Shane Beamer to prove himself continually at South Carolina and Florida to ultimately have a new coach. Cause I don't think that Billy Napier is the answer there. Okay. But let's, if we play that game, let's go to the other side then. Okay. You're right. South. You, we, we agree. Florida's falling off. Even if they have like, they might have like a temporary, like one good year that teases everybody, but then they'll fall off. And I think you think the same will happen with South Carolina, but let's play the South Carolina game program on the rise. South Carolina is on the rise. They finished eight and five last year. That's the same record that Maryland finished last year, which is in the Big Ten East. And so both teams, eight and five, many people think Maryland's on the rise with having won more games every year under Mike Loxley. Behind South Carolina, 
what you got Florida maybe behind Maryland, you got Michigan State. Yeah, Michigan State had a fall off last year, but let's be honest, Dave. Right now, what's a better program, Michigan State or Florida? I might say Michigan State. Um, I, well, I can't. Under their current head coaches, it's Michigan State. That's where I was getting it. Yeah. Okay, but if I'm coach Dave Hooker and I get offered either job, it's not even close. I'm taking Florida over Michigan State, right? Oh, yeah, this isn't a question of which jobs are better. The SEC East has okay. better jobs overall. But in terms of where the programs are right now, the Big Ten East programs are better. Even after the even after Michigan State, Purdue had a losing record last year. But guess what, guys? Purdue did just beat Tennessee two seasons ago in the Music City Bowl. And by the way, that was a home game for Tennessee. It was in Nashville. And so we're, and, and I think a lot of us believe in Jeff Brom, who is a pretty good coach. So, oh, I'm sorry. I got that mixed up. Purdue's in the West though. They're not in the East. Uh, apologies. Indiana's in, the Big Ten splits Purdue and Indiana between the East and the West, which is weird. But I guess long story short, that top five in the Big Ten East, Maryland, Ohio State, Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, Maryland and Michigan state. You go top one to five. The only like parallel where the SEC East team is in better shape would be at the top. Georgia is better than any team in the big 10 East, but I think Ohio state or Michigan interchangeable right now, both programs are ahead of Tennessee. We just can't deny that until Tennessee makes a playoff and Tennessee is the second best team. So that's the issue. Portions of the program brought to you by Vassie Lawn and Garden Man Alive. It's worth the drive, whether you're in Nashville, Knoxville, Chattanooga, Cleveland, Tennessee. For your industrial mowers, go to Vassie.com. Commercial mowers as well, residential. And with their buying powers, when you make that sort of investment, you will absolutely save money. Vassie.com, Vassie Lawn and Garden. What tier of a quarterback is Joe Milton. You give me two minutes and I'll tell you with Caleb Calhoun, I'm Dave Hooker off the sports. To own the more that owns every job, then get the Vassy Lawn and Garden in Cleveland and get you a Toro. I'm David Vassy here to talk to you about Toro. With a Toro zero turn, you'll get more out of every minute and you'll reach the finish line faster. At Bassey's, we like to say, no matter if you're mowing three acres a week or 11 lawns a day, homeowners and business owners alike find confidence in equipment they can trust from top to bottom. Bassey Lawn and Garden, Highway 60 North in Cleveland. Man alive, it's worth the drive. Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. Our family has been creating one-of-a-kind pieces of jewelry in West Knoxville since 1986. Each piece is a combination of unique processes that bring your idea to life. Every day in our shop, a truly special item with a story all its own is being manufactured in our facility, bringing the history and family sentiment into a whole new generation of life. We're grateful that you chose us to be Knoxville's best jeweler, a title that we value and respect 
Because to me, being a jeweler and owning a jewelry store are not the same thing. I'm Rick Terry. I'm a jeweler, and we want to be your jeweler. Kingston Pike and Campbell Station Road in the heart of Farragut and downtown on Gay Street right next to the Tennessee Theater. With all that sun, sand, and salt water, the beach is a very relaxing place. Unless you wear contacts. Ow! Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK Vision Correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Ah. You're listening to The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of OffTheHookSports.com. The internet is full of pictures of each and every one of you. Available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the Off The Hook Sports app. Download now for free. Is there nothing you people can't do? Also available on OffTheHookSports.com. All right, here we go. Joe Milton, the third junior, senior Esquire, has been put in a box or on a tier, and Tennessee's quarterback is not really considered elite, but also considered pretty good. So thoughts on the respect that Joe Milton the third gets from a recent tier ranking by ESPN.com. And it will be four downs. But first of all, if you can uh, set this up, he's a tier three quarterback. How is ESPN defining this before we get to four downs, Caleb Calhoun? So tier three is not bad, but there's a tier 1A, a tier 1B, a tier 2, and a tier 3. And through those tiers, we're talking about maybe the top 16 to 20 quarterbacks. Tier 3 is quarterbacks who you may have questions about, but you have no questions about the system they're in. So you shouldn't question that they're probably going to be pretty good. And that's Joe Milton right now, which makes sense because – we know about Josh Heupel's system. For Just for the record, other quarterbacks in that system right now is Kate, Kate Klubnick for Clemson, Kyle McCord for Ohio State. Kind of agree with both of those because of Garrett Riley and Ryan Day in the spread that Ohio State runs. The ones I disagree with in this Tier 3 are Alabama. I think they're just saying Alabama's system produces quarterbacks. No, they've just had great quarterbacks in the past few years. And the same with Georgia. They're saying Georgia with Carson Beck and Penn State with Jewelar. I disagree with those three. All right, let's get rolling. Four downs. It's brought to you by our friend Andy Mason, andymasonrealestate.com. Four downs. Four questions. Four answers. The Dave Hooker Show. Four. Four. Four downs. A presentation of offthehooksports.com. All right, it's brought to you by AndyMasonRealEstate.com. Let's take a look at Joe Milton, the third Esquire, second junior, senior. Cade Klubnick is one of the players that is in that same tier, that tier three at Clemson. So we saw him firsthand. Would you take Cade Klubnick over Milton in an even trade right now with Clemson? That'll be first down brought to you by Andy Mason, realestate.com. Andy Mason has the best service and the best prices in Knoxville. If you're buying a home, it's Andy Mason. It's that simple. Andy Mason, realestate.com. Don't miss out on thousands with another 
uh, realtor, AndyMasonRealEstate.com. Reach out to him. Tell him Off the Hook Sports sent you. So, first down, would you take Cade Klubnick over Joe Milton right now? What say did you anybody, Did anybody watch what Cade Klubnick did to what we all agree was a very mediocre Tennessee pass defense last year? Wasn't good. No. I know we don't put too much stock in bowl games. I put stock in it if you play horribly, though, as a quarterback. And so, no, I'm taking Joe Milton over Kate Klubnick right now. Okay, I don't take a lot of stock in bowl games, and I particularly don't take a lot of stock in this bowl game. But I would take Kate Klubnick for a couple of reasons. I think he's a more natural runner. Um, let me put three reasons. I think he's a more natural runner. I think that the... The way they the game plan by Clemson was like they had zero faith in him. Um, you know, they're going for it on fourth downs. They're being overly aggressive. It's just like play the game, man. Y'all, y'all have a talented roster. Just play the game. And then the third, I would I would say just eligibility. And eligibility would be the difference. He has three years where you would have one. Isn't that an overrated take nowadays though with the transfer portal? Like, is eligibility really a thing that matters anymore? Travis says there it is, ridiculous stake. I'm not hating on Joe Milton, but if you had three years, okay, if you had to choose between one year of Joe Milton right now or three years of Nico, you would take three years of Nico. So I I got. I would take one year of Nico because I think Nico's just that good over one year of Joe Milton. You would take one, okay. One year of Nico at where I think he's going to be. Not Nico this year, but one year of Nico, like of where I think he's going to develop, Nico. So that's not even a fair comparison. But we always talk about the, oh, I want the three-year guy, not the one-year guy. Well, guess what? Auburn got Cam Newton for one year. What happened? Syracuse had Carmelo Anthony for one year. What happened? Kentucky had Anthony Davis for one year. What happened? Okay, but who was the high? There is a reason that Joe Milton, and I'm not, I don't hate him. After what I heard in spring practice, he's going to be the starter of the whole year. I'm not the Joe Milton hater anymore that you guys portray me as. But I will say this there's a reason that he's just started seven games in his career, and he's a senior, and he had to transfer, and then he got benched by Andon Hooker. I know partly due to injury. There's a reason. So, Cade Klubnick has this tremendous upside that we haven't really seen. Clemson's coaches really stumbled all over themselves in that game plan. It's not, I mean, don't tell me it's just out of left field for me to say, yes, I would take Cade Klubnick. No, I think what's out of left field is when you say because it's three years versus one, because I don't, what I don't believe in, and I, I say this with the NFL and I say it with college, the obsession with upside over proven derail so many teams i mean there's this whole i think sports i think college football with the transfer portal is more win now than ever before it is win right now because you have more resources to win right now than ever before college football is almost college basketball now dave a new head coach can turn a team around overnight which used to not be the thing and i i think that it's the same way with, you know, you didn't see the New York Jets say, well, you know, we've got, we could have Zach Wilson for 20 years versus Aaron Rodgers for two. No, they're like, we'll take Aaron Rodgers for two years. Okay. You didn't see John Elway go, I could have Tim Tebow for 15 years or Peyton Manning for four. You take Peyton Manning for four years over Tim Tebow for 15. And so 
this there's this win now thing. I mean, there's this upside idea that I think is just it's been an annoying thing in sports for as long as I can remember when some your best success usually comes in a five or six year window. One, if you're talking about a coach or a pro player and you only need one year for a college player. Okay. Second down, who would you take over Joe Milton? And let's just talk one year. Let's take the eligibility thing out of it. I'm getting Dan and Mr. Jones and everybody that could possibly rip me. Rebecca's even ripping me, and I think she likes me. But everybody's ripping me. Uh, so who would you take? I think, you know, we're, we're, we're objective. We're not just going to worship at the feet of Joe Milton because Josh Heupel says so. So what SEC quarterbacks would you take over Joe Milton for one year? What, SEC quarterbacks, not overall quarterbacks? Well, that's third down. Let's take it one down at a time. Oh, okay, sorry. I, I did not see third. I apologize. My apologies. SEC quarterbacks. Because, yeah, but I forgot to email you the rundown. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> um, I Okay, I would probably take this year, y'all are going to call me the LSU lover, but Jaden Daniels over Joe Milton, just because Jaden Daniels playing for Brian Kelly's offense, I have a lot of faith in him. I think he was underrated in this tiers. He's not even in the top three tiers. I, I railed against KJ Jefferson last year when people put him ahead of Hendon Hooker. And I said that was the stupidest thing. I'd probably take KJ Jefferson over Joe Milton, though. Wow. So you're talking about a guy that's largely unproven, that had accuracy issues, and you got him as the number three quarterback in the SEC. The SEC has a lot of unproven quarterbacks this year. There's a yeah, lot that, of overturn. I mean, that happens every year. I, I can remember. Like every couple of years, it seems like there are 15 quarterbacks at SEC media days, and you know the next year that's going to be a down year in quarterbacks. Yes. And it, it happened this year. There was Hooker, uh, Bryce Young, uh, I can't remember all Will of them. Will Anthony Richardson, maybe? Yeah, yeah. So it was like I, I was looking around thinking, well, next year's quarterback class is going to be very bad. Uh, not saying those guys are bad. But, okay, third down, what quarterbacks in – the nation are a lock that you would take over Joe Milton the third. Now I don't expect you to get every single one, but I would think it starts with Caleb Williams, right? At Southern California. It's hard to argue the Heisman trophy winner wouldn't be an upgrade. It's hard to argue Caleb Williams. I agree. I would take Caleb Williams. And then I would also take Drake may who I think is going to be drafted behind Caleb Williams in 2024, but is a better draft prospect. Drake may is the best quarterback in this draft class. No questions asked. I don't think he goes behind Caleb Williams. You don't think he does? Mm -mm. I think he's oh. number one. I, I, I've, I've heard, I've heard two words from a scout that got me perked up, and it was the first word was John, the second word was Elway. And that's the gold standard of number one draft picks, isn't he? Isn't John Elway like the gold standard of like even beyond Peyton Manning? There were just because there were questions about Peyton. You knew John Elway was going to be a success in the NFL, right? Yeah, I mean, just he. he he had everything. He was, it was LeBron a, James when he was drafted number one, I'm guessing. Yes. Or Victor Wampanyana. I, I the the kid that uh the the Spurs are gonna get. Yeah, he was he was that type of freak athlete. Uh and no knock against Peyton, but Peyton had the Ryan Leaf thing. Um so yeah, I think Drake May is that guy, and you would probably take him. 
I mean, I think Drake May's really, really special, like a generational talent. We'll, we'll see. I mean, he's he's got to survive another year at North Carolina. I got a lot of I got mad respect for the kid for sticking. I mean, I heard that there was like offers of five million for one year, uh, which was uh, pretty insane. So uh, we're at fourth down. So uh, fourth down. What is the most important game for Joe Milton the third? Florida. He's going to get by Virginia, and he's going to get by – who's their second game? I'm already forgetting it. Um, it's awful. Yeah, somebody that they shouldn't be playing. Florida is the game where we judge Joe Milton because we both think Florida's floundering, but that doesn't mean that they're a fall-out-of-bed win for Tennessee. You're going to Florida. They haven't beaten Florida in the Swamp in 20 years. And, you know, without without Casey Clawson, they haven't beaten Florida in the Swamp since 1971. So you that's that's by no means a given. They should beat Florida – but we've seen so many crazy things. But if Joe Florida's the game where you judge Joe Milton. Yeah, Travis brings up a good point. So I'm I'm all on board with Drake May, but he's the opposite of Tennessee system. That is true. So uh, kind of like um I'm trying to think of a good comparison. You would take um we talked about the best we talked about how Nico was the perfect fit for Tennessee system, whereas Arch Manning is a good fit for any system. So it's not a slight in Nico whatsoever, but I see what you're saying there, Travis. Um, uh, D, just absolutely no way keeping Milton second down. We are good this year. Milton has three years in the system. Anyone else would be green, fair. Um, Rebecca says Florida sets the tone. I, I think there's a lot of truth to that. But by the same token, if anything happened in the Virginia game, I don't think it's going to be close. I haven't seen an early spread for that. But if you come out and there are errant passes, six, seven errant passes, and you just beat Virginia by three touchdowns instead of four or five, or you just beat them by two touchdowns, that could be a defining game, too, that makes people scratch their head and wonder because you're not going to learn anything from Austin P. So I'll say straight out of the shoot, it's Virginia. Come out there and dominate and be really good. You've got the whole offseason to prepare. So I'll say that would set the tone of the season, which is an easy out for me to say the season opener sets the tone. But with a new quarterback, I, I think that's I think there's something to that. I think the players will see more out of Joe Milton being the guy throughout August and into the Virginia game than even will see Caleb. And if they have half the belief in Milton they had in Hendon Hooker, Tennessee's good to go for the rest of the year. They will be a 10 wins team. Here's the go thing. You're, what you just said is going to happen versus Virginia because that's going to be the offense this year. What people need to prepare for is you're going to have a lot more missed throws, some errant passes, and a lot more stalled drives. But you're going to see more – I hate the word ball control. Gosh, I hate the word ball control. But you're going to see a little bit more of it in Josh Heupel's system. You're going to see moving the ball more. And so you're still going to see Tennessee have pretty much have control of games, but I don't think you're going to see consistent 60-point games this year. So I think what you just talked about is going to be the case, but I don't think it's going to be cause for panic because I think the coaches are kind of prepared for that. If they beat Virginia or any team by 20 and they're even close to time of possession and this is a different-looking football team, hey, man. You're, I don't care if you cover or not. It used to really get on my nerves when, when uh, Tennessee would beat like a Texas El, El Paso by 40 points, and some people are upset that they didn't cover the spread of 43. Um, listen, if you can go out there and punish some teams, 
with this offensive line, and you might be able to do that and a running game that's going to have some electricity that it didn't have with Dylan Sampson 100% in the playbook, hey, you're not going to hear me rip them for beating Virginia 30-10 to 10 and controlling the game throughout. So that's a, a fantastic point. Um, I like that a lot. All right, so it is time for today's tough question. Today's tough question brought to you by Campbell Cunningham, Taylor, and Han. Here we go. Today's tough question. Take a side. Take a stand. The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of offthehooksports.com. Free LASIK promotion. No, I'm just kidding. But Campbell Cunningham, Taylor, and Han did my LASIK surgery. No glasses near or far. I am golden. I can't even begin to tell you how awesome the care was because I had another little bitty health issue that cropped up, and actually they diagnosed it. That had nothing to do with my eyes. Okay, and that's just that's how awesome they are. Campbell Cunningham, Taylor, and Han, whether it's LASIK or cataract surgery, know that you have local. That's local doctors that care about you. And also their independent vision centers are fantastic for those annual checkups. So today's tough question, which ACC school would be the best natural rival for the Vols? I'm going to go first. I usually defer to you, Caleb, on these, but it ain't close. It's Clemson. That, that orange, that rivalry, um, that that could be would be tremendous. It was super cool. It was really readily accepted and exciting by um, all standards by both sides uh, of both fan bases. It's Clemson, and and I don't I don't really think it's close. Um, I'd be interested to see if you come up with somebody else and you can sway me at all. You're wrong. And you're wrong, and you're wrong, because when I see when I see the not even get like a soft thing. Basically, I just gotta. You suck. Thanks. When you talk natural rivals, this has to be one where one that could maybe twenty years down the road turn into a series where each team circles the other game beyond any other. And Clemson, no matter what happens in football, will always circle South Carolina. They just will, because that's just that in-state rivalry. The same way Florida and Florida State will always circle each other. Georgia, Georgia Tech, not so much. That rivalry is dead. But Clemson, South Carolina. Tennessee's most natural rival is Virginia Tech. And they are they were equidistant from Bristol. I don't like you, Caleb, on your birthday. Why don't you, you like just me? changed my mind. <laughs> I'm sp- I mean, I'm not the Stephen A. Smith that's going to continue to defend myself for Skip Bayless when I'm wrong. It's tech. It's tech. Two, it, it's the ah. Appal- it's the rivalry of the Appalachia. Okay. And- it is. And if and if you go up to Bristol, I had to cover a lot of NASCAR races there. If you go up to Bristol, it's split like I imagine Auburn, Alabama would be. I mean, it is Virginia Tech and it is Tennessee. It's kind of a cool, neat little place. If you, if, if you go to a NASCAR race up there and they're wearing any sort of football gear, it's either Tech or Tennessee, and it's it's pretty neat. I don't like you on your birthday, Caleb. Yes, Tennessee and Virginia Tech, if they could ever get in the same conference, which I think if Virginia Tech got into the SEC, I think they would get to the level where they could actually be capable of being a powerhouse program then because they have resources. That could be a Michigan-Ohio State level of like border state rivalry 
with, by the way, for those who don't know, Toledo would be the Bristol because Toledo is equidistant from Ann Arbor and Columbus. Okay. And Bristol would, is equidistant from Blacksburg and Knoxville. It's Virginia Tech. That would be just the most. And you could, what if you could play it in Bristol every year? 